Welcome back to That Football Stats Podcast. I am your host, Joe, founder and developer at oddalerts.com. And in this episode, we're going to take a look at some of the winners and losers from around Europe. I've been taking notes as I've been watching the football this weekend, and um, there's only one place we can start. And it's Goodison Park, you know, no surprise there. Three minutes in, um, the Everton fans were as loud as ever. You know, they got the pink banners holding them up and then they were silenced. Everybody was silenced. The commentary was silenced for a second. And I think that's a a sign of a great goal um, if you can give Gary Neville an orgasm. But seriously, you know, if you you watch the commentary back on Sky, it's like they didn't know what to do. And then you just hear a... And I think that was probably replicated around the stadium and around the, the living rooms uh, of people watching this game. That is a phenomenal overhead kick. And I think what makes it so good is that the ball in was kind of wicked from Dallo. It was uh, quite high. It was traveling away from him. And he gets up and the connection is amazing. Um, there's obviously a debate about is it the best overhead kick ever. I think Bales in the Champions League final is still sitting right at the top. Um, Trevor Sinclair has an amazing one from the edge of the box as well. Similar to Bale, actually. Um, Premier League-wise, you've got Carroll. You've got Emery Chan against Watford, which um, acrobatically is up there with Garnachos, of course. You've got Rooney's, but it hit his shin, didn't it? Rooney's, it hit his shin, but the occasion, you know, the derby and all that, and uh, the celebration. I think you Garnacho had a chance there to, you know, that that's going to be replayed and replayed so much. His celebration was a bit flat, I thought. <laughs> I don't think he could believe that he'd done it. Whereas the Rooney one, you remember the celebration, you remember the moment, and maybe we will with the Garnacho one, but his celebration was just a bit, you know, come on, give it some. So for me, let me know in the comments, Gareth Bale for me is still number one for the occasion. To do that in a Champions League final and, and the technique and, and, and how acrobatic it was, it's just sensational. But that is not taking away anything from Garnacho, who will definitely win goal of the season for that this season I mean unless there's some sort of scorpion kick or amazing team goal um, Arsenal versus Norwich-esque then I think it's a shoo-in but let me know in the comments before we move on to the next winner of the weekend which actually comes from the same game an 18 year old making his Premier League debut Kobe Mainu 18 years old straight into the heart of that midfield and uh, what a performance, what a performance. From the first minute, he wants the ball, he's confident, he's assured. Looks like he's been playing, not just in the Man United midfield, but in the Premier League for the past two, three years. And you can see why Ten Hag was so disappointed in pre-season when he got that injury. What I liked about him yesterday is that he plays the game at his own pace. He's somebody that can dictate the tempo for Man United and they have lacked that type of player, I believe, since Skulls and Carrick. I'm trying to think of somebody that's been in there since Pogba. Yes, Pogba, but I mean, Pogba's struggled with consistency, certainly at Man United anyway. He had flashes of, of you know, Pogba and then, you know, just faded and, and faded in and out of form. Um, yeah, this guy looks special, Manu, and um, 18 years old, he's got to be protected, but it's hard to, to drop him now going into this Christmas period. He's exactly what they need. The problems for Man United yesterday, especially in the first half, came when Onana would just hoof it. And, you know, you've got Rashford, Martial and Garnacho up top. It's not exactly a striking physical front three. So Branthwaite and Tarkovsky, they were just sweeping up and the pressure, would it would just come straight back at Man United. But when they got Maynou on the ball, they were much better. And I think Man United fans are quite right to be very excited about him. So he is my second winner of the weekend.
Before we go to France to see another winner and a team that is still unbeaten, we're going to stick to the Premier League because I also watched the Spurs-Villa game. And going straight into my winners of the weekend is Unai Emery. He might even be at the top. I mean, Garnacho, yes, amazing, but... Unai Emery at half-time, he changed that game. He won that game for Aston Villa, bringing Tielemans on. Tielemans' second-half performance was near-perfect. Didn't lose the ball, controlled the tempo of the game, relieved pressure on the Villa midfield, and Bentoncourt going off in that first half was um, very unfortunate for, for Spurs because he was probably the best player on the pitch. He was getting across the, the midfield, linking things up. There was some really nice short-passing passages in in midfield for Tottenham in that first 15-20 minutes but in that second half Villa came out a different team and it's it's so crucial getting that goal before half time isn't it just mentally for those Villa players uh, getting it on the brink of half time and then coming out and, and breaking on Spurs many times Louise as well in the midfield Villa's midfield as a whole, is a winner for this week. Those four players that they had in midfield, McGinn came alive once Tielemans came on. He had a bit more space to, to move around. Kamara and Louise both sitting, but both very mobile. Louise is he's a special player. He's, the whole midfield quartet, silky is the way, smooth, you know, that's the way I would describe that midfield. They're a joy to watch. And they've got someone like Jacob Ramsey as well, coming back from injury, who's going to be so eager to, to get back in there. I do think in terms of the the midfield, they've got one of the most functional midfields in the Premier League on their day, Aston Villa. Um, And Unai Emery's doing an amazing job and uh, those changes at half-time, they won them the game. And uh, they just, you know, Spurs in the second half were kind of a shadow of the team that they were in the first half. I've seen Spurs fans... um, saying that the performance from Lo Celso and Hill and, and the midfield was fantastic. I, I, I don't believe it was. I really don't believe it was. Lo Celso, he did okay. You know, there's some nice passes in there. But once Benton Kerr went off, it, was, it wasn't as free-flowing. Um, they were trying to get balls into the box, trying to get it wide to Hill. I think when Saar or Basuma is back, you'll, you'll see Lo Celso pushed up a little bit and Brian Hill will be back out of the team I think Brian Hill just sort of runs out of energy he, he looked like a bright spark in the first 15-20 minutes but then you know the energy just drains out of him and he becomes less and less effective as as the game goes on um, Kulisevsky again did okay but Benton Kerr going off and Hoiberg coming on you know it's chalk and cheese the difference between and Benton Kerr in that first 15-20 minutes when he was on he broke the lines of, of Villa's midfield, whether that was dribbling through the press or just finding another player with a quick one-two. And that is what Ange needs. When it was Saar and Basuma at the start of the season and James Madison, it was so hard to contain. They would they would get in behind you with a couple of passes. But, you know, when it's Hoiberg on the ball, when it's Lacelso on the ball, it's just not as quick. It's just not as... Um, penetrative you know with with the passes Hoiberg takes a few seconds he's touching the ball he's coming back he's coming forward three defeats in a row now I'm not going to put them on my losers list this week it's unfortunate for Spurs I mean they've got injuries and uh, Ben Davies he's he's a left back by trade playing as a centre back Emerson Royale I thought did okay in terms of just you know recycling the possession but again he's not somebody that you would look at and say wow he's a eight out of ten defender let's let's get him in there and play him at centre back but there's obviously a trust issue, especially after the last game, with Ange Postacoglu and Eric Dyer. So, so to cut that one short, it's a great win for Aston Villa, a deserved win. And uh, Unai Emery, 
goes in my winners of the weekend for those half-time changes. And Yuri Tielemans and the whole Aston Villa midfield were sensational in the second half. They really were. My next winner of the weekend comes from France. It is Nice manager Francesco Farioli, 34 years old. They are still unbeaten. They've kept eight clean sheets in a row. The second only behind PSG, marginally behind PSG, still unbeaten. One point behind the powerhouse that is PSG. What an achievement thus far. Can they keep it up? They've conceded four goals all season. Can they maintain this? I would say yes, if they keep everybody in that defence fit. Performances like this are always built on great defences. If you look at Leicester, the defence was great. Every defender that was playing was having an 8 out of 10 every game and they had the season of their life, right? And then, of course, if you've got people at the top end of the pitch that can score, especially if you're not creating a lot of chances, you know, if you're winning 1-0 here and there, I think you've got the foundations to build something pretty special because titles are won on great defences, as Alex Ferguson, of course, once said. Can they win Liga 1? I don't think so because... PSG do look to be getting into some kind of groove now after a bit of a shaky start when they were without Mbappe and still trying to gel some of those players together. So Francesco Farioli, 34 years old, uh, sensational job. He is our next winner of the weekend. The next winner from the weekend is David Moyes because I came across a stat. In the Premier League era, David Moyes has the highest win rate, uh, the highest win percentage of any West Ham manager at 37%. Um, and uh, West Ham have had a lot of managers in the Premier League, of course. And I think he deserves credit. I like to see him doing well after his uh, Man United stint, which I think would have been an impossible task for many managers. And as we saw with Man United after David Moyes, it wasn't an easy task even for the best managers in the world. So David Moyes, the most successful Premier League manager, and obviously he's brought silverware, and I have always liked him. Yeah, he's a hard-working manager, and I think someone like him, it's easy to just put him down because he's not young, he's, he's not somebody that discusses tactics or talks about football innovation in press conferences and whatnot. He just gets on with the job, but his teams are always playing with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, a lot of drive, you know. They, they play quite quick football, West Ham. They like to get it forward, and um, I don't hear too many West Ham fans complaining about the football, you know, similar to how they did when they had Allardyce, for example. So from one British manager to another, and uh, the final winner of this week, I think we've got a lot of winners now already, um, is, uh, well, it's not a manager, it's actually Lascelles, but you can see where the, the link comes to, to Eddie Howe, because Newcastle in general, but Lascelles as, as the centre-back coming in, you know, Botman's been injured, Dan Byrne's been injured. There's been disruption in every position for Newcastle. Tonali out, Bruno suspended last week, came back this week. Isak and Wilson both out for the previous game. Isak coming back in this week. And wherever they've had these shortcomings, apart from the, you know, the Bournemouth game, it just didn't work. They fell flat. I think they had too many injuries. But they were back to their best at St. James's Park against Chelsea and Lascelles getting the goal. I think it caps off what's been a wonderful sort of month or so for him back in the team. And he fully deserves it, you know, because he was club captain before Eddie Howe came and he's a, he's a true professional. The fans love him. He loves the club. And it's great to see him back in the team. He was there in the championship, wasn't he, as well? I think he just deserves a shout out getting the goal. But look, that Newcastle-Chelsea game, Anthony Gordon was running riot. He's going to have some season, going to be in, in, the, in the England squad if he continues. Um... If he continues playing the way he is and he's not in the England squad, then Southgate 
really does have to answer some questions, especially if someone like Rashford is included. Um, you know, come come May time, same with Sterling potentially. Sterling wasn't great, did score a good free kick, but Chelsea fell flat. And I think goals change games and they came at key times uh, in this game. And um, Thiago Silva didn't cover himself in glory and um, maybe it's a sign of, you know, that he is on the decline. I mean, he's 39 years old, isn't he? I mean, fair play for even still being around this elite level at this age. Sorry, Thiago Silva, but you are the first loser of the week. I expect an angry video from your wife. If you don't get that reference, then, you know, his wife recorded an angry video once after people started slating him for a previous mistake. Respect. Thiago Silva, because Thiago Silva arrived yesterday. Thiago Silva played for Brazilian Seleção. Thiago Silva is very tired. Thiago Silva is 37 years. He plays from then 20 years old. Reese James also in my losers of the weekend list. Sorry, Reese, um, but you know you got a red card. You let yourself, you let yourself down. You let your team down. And um, Cole Palmer, not quite a loser, but again, just given the hype and the performance from both of those players, Reese James and Cole Palmer in in the Man City game, they just fell flat. A flat performance all round from Chelsea, and I think they missed somebody that can just take a game by the scruff of the neck. And to be honest, the missing chances still, there was a, a moment, I think it was at 1-0, maybe it was uh, at 1-1 where Sterling plays through Jackson and there's a, it's like, you know, he's just thinking, just shoot, pull the trigger. And he just sort of goes away from the goal, but he was at an angle where you could just put your foot through it. And I think they're just missing that clinical striker, someone that when they get the ball, the only thing in their mind is, can I score, can I shoot? Um, they need that person who, when they get a yard on the edge of the box, they're shooting. They're not even thinking twice about it. And I don't think Cole Palmer's that person. He's Creatively, he's great. Gallagher, great ball striking, but, you know, he, he shouldn't be relied on for that. And Kunku coming back is going to be key for them. Sterling likes to dribble rather than shoot. And his shooting isn't great, regardless, you know, he's still scored a, a great free kick. But in play, he's not known for his uh, his finishing abilities. He seems to rush some chances for sure. Brozier, maybe he's getting back to full fitness, but I'd like to see him start a stretch of games um, in and around Christmas because I think if he can get back to what he was doing at Southampton before his injury, he's a handful for for any Premier League team. He, he put in some great performances for Southampton. I know it's Southampton, but it was still Premier League. Um, and they just need that. They need someone to be a handful. They need someone to occupy some space. A few other mentions in both categories. Um, you know, you've got Leverkusen winning again 3-0. Uh, Bellingham got another goal. Uh, another potential loser, Sheffield United. I mean, that's the sort of performance that will kill your confidence. <laughs> Burnley as well, both at home, both losing to teams that, you know, at the start of the season, you would earmark those home games as, you, you know, you've got to pick up points here. For Burnley to be 1-0 up and throw it away, Sheffield United, wow. I mean, Bournemouth, I do like what I'm seeing. I really do like what I'm seeing from Bournemouth. They're, they don't give you a moment's rest. They've got players at the top end of the pitch that are tireless. And they've got midfielders that can control, can, can pass. And I think they're going to be fine, Bournemouth. I really do. I think you can't overlook the, the start of the season that they had. The fixtures were very tough, as I've said many times on the podcast. But for Sheffield United, this is it. These next six to eight weeks there is a lot of games coming your way if you don't find some form you could uh, you could find yourself six to eight points adrift maybe more 
And that's not what you want, Sheffield United fans. And uh, Heckenbottom, he's uh, walking a tightrope at the minute. He did amazing to get him up and uh, he's not had much of a budget to spend to try and keep them up. But there's a serious lack of quality um, at the back. That It's just so clear, you know, they're making errors that you can't make in the Premier League. You get away with them in the Championship because the strikers aren't as clinical, but you, you see, you know, what's the keeper doing for the for the goal? There's a defensive error for another goal, and um, you cannot gift Premier League teams these opportunities, even if it's Bournemouth, who you might expect to be in the bottom half of the Premier League this season. They've conceded three goals at home to Bournemouth. They conceded eight at home to Newcastle, of course, and for Sheffield United. I know we should never say that a team is, is destined to go down, but with Luton picking up a victory as well. And you know what? Let's let's throw Luton in there as uh, one of the winners of the weekend. Um, I did predict a win on the last podcast episode. I thought it'd be a narrow victory. I thought 1-0 because they are good defensively. And to be honest, it took a moment of magic, didn't it, uh, from Crystal Palace. It was a great goal, top left, uh, top left corner. And that, that result for Luton will add a lot more pressure to Heckenbottom and to Vincent Company as well coming into Christmas because Luton unlike Sheffield United and unlike Burnley, they're showing that when you go there, when you go to, to Kenilworth, it is going to be a very tricky game. We're not going to let you rest. They got a point off Liverpool, made things difficult for them. Liverpool amassed, what, 3.2 XG in that game, but they got the point. And I think there's going to be a lot of games where Luton pick up these scruffy points, almost like Forrest last year. Everybody said at this time last year, oh, Forrest are down, they're gone, signed too many players. You know, this, that, and then they start picking up points. They start beating Liverpool at home, right? You just pick up these random points, and then all of a sudden, people fear going there. And I think that's what will happen with Luton. Um, I still think it will be tough for them, just because of uh, the resources. January is going to be key, because in January, Burnley will need to bring in a striker. Burnley will absolutely need to. Sheffield United will need to bring in defensive recruits, because if they don't, I think they're both down. (laughs) But as I said before, you've got to still be in the game. That's why these next six to eight weeks are crucial for Burnley and Sheffield United. Who do you think is going to go down? Let me know in the comments if you're watching this one on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, feel free to leave a review if you like. I think it will help. Um, The listening numbers on the podcast are not great, but I've not really marketed it at the same time. I sort of just uh, put it out there, uh, share a link on Discord. Maybe I can start marketing it more um but the the videos go on youtube as well so i'm happy for them to you know to live there in the podcast to live there at the same time but if you listen to the audio version uh yeah please try and leave a review whether it's on spotify apple and the likes and let me know who your winner of the weekend was was it garnacho's special special goal was it unai emery's tactical masterclass at half time or was it Newcastle dismantling Chelsea? I think it's hard to look past Nice and what uh, their manager is doing. 34 years old. What a bright future he has. Eight clean sheets in a row. That takes some doing in any division. So fair play to Nice. Hopefully they can keep it up for the rest of the season. I'll certainly be keeping an eye on their progress. Uh, Monaco, incidentally, um, a fun team to watch in Liga in this season. Minamino, um, ex-Liverpool player, playing really well. And on that note, one final addition to the losers, the game of uh, City-Liverpool. I think for what people expected, the hype, I don't think it lived up to it, but it's understandable, you know, given the the international break. Um, McAllister for Liverpool said that when he came back, they had a meeting uh, where they were discussing tactics and whatnot. 
And he said he couldn't keep his eyes open, and that was the day before the game. And you know, Deli Ali, uh, in, in an interview with Gary Neville, I think it was earlier this year, wasn't it? He talked about being addicted or certainly taking a lot of uh, sleeping pills. And, um, you know, he said that clubs hand them out to players, and you can see why. I mean, McAllister's fallen asleep, he's got jet lag, you've got a game tomorrow, you've got to make sure his uh, his body is getting enough rest, right? Um I think it's crazy some of some of the some of the kickoff arrangements. Are they trying to help these clubs or or not? It's a strange one. And then there's European football as well in the week, so we've got that to come. I'll make some content around that. Maybe do some predictions as well. Go through some of the data. Um, but for now, that's been the episode. And uh, yeah, if you liked it, leave a review, leave a comment, and I will see you in the next one.